Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. Okay, welcome back, everybody. We are in the middle of what series again, Patty? Point of view. Point of view, or POV for short. Um, In the spirit of our spring of learning how to listen. And stay curious. And stay curious. We began with how to ask better questions. And now we're in the middle of basically understanding our point of view, understanding other people's point of view, and how to to think beyond points of view. Yeah. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So last week we talked about lenses, about lenses and boxes, and those are metaphors for our biases, which is another way of saying our own point of view, right? It's built from uh, it's built for us by our upbringing, by the culture that we're in, by the things we learn growing up, our experiences. Yes, it's a big we one. make different decisions on what those experiences mean, right? Sometimes we do some unpacking of that in therapy, right? Because <laughs> maybe sometimes we. We agreed to something that wasn't helpful. Maybe right. it was helpful for us at the time, but no longer is. Uh, but anyway, um, we talked about how everyone has this box. Everyone has their own point of view, their own bias. And this week, we're going to try and learn how to see what ours is. All right. The challenge for last week was to reflect on what some of your biases could be, mm-hmm. right? Or whether or not you even think you have them. Maybe you totally disagree. That's fine, too. Um and as we talked a little bit about last week, this is the hardest part, seeing our box, mm-hmm. especially for Christians. Mm-hmm. And uh, why do you think that is? Well, what I hear the most is that we basically say, well, the Bible says. Mm-hmm. There's and, that one. And therefore, shut up. And that's correct. <laughs> right. And the way that I've chosen to read the Bible is obviously the correct way mm-hmm. because that's my box. Right. Uh, but another thing, too, is that I think sometimes uh, as Christians, we can be very isolated, mm. especially with Christians with great uh, groups okay. that like each other, that mm. spend a lot of time together, that are really heavily invested in each other's lives. Why? Because then you're basically surrounding yourself with people who think like you. Right, they have a similar box that you have. Right, their box was built by their we're going to call it denomination mm-hmm. or Christ, or tradition of Christianity. Right, so there's some similarities there. Right. So there's and experiences. A, yeah, there's that old expression. Oh, you're preaching to the choir. Mm. Right. You're tr- like you think you're being really convincing and persuasive because you're getting a lot of like yes, <laughs> right, a lot of amens. <laughs> Preach it, bro, <laughs> sis. Uh, whatever, but really it's like you're already talking to people who are already convinced that right. your point of view or your box is right. Yeah, right. so true. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and this is an interesting stat that I found that I want to share with you to kind of like drive home a point here. So according to the World Christian Encyclopedia, or Encyclopedia, right, WCE, there is an estimated 33,000 distinct denominations of Christian, Christianity spread over 238 country countries. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that's a big number, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they break them down into broader categories. So okay. they call some people independents. Not exactly sure what they mean by that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they're saying that they were totally unique. Right. You know. Outside of, the box. <laughs> outside <laughs> the box. Like, you know, they're just the rebels maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's supposedly 22,000 of those denominations in the broad category of independence. Mm-hmm. Protestants, that's where our tradition would, would fall under. They're saying about 9,000 denominations there. Mm-hmm. Marginals, about 1,600. Orthodox. Christians, about 781, Catholics, 242, and Anglicans, 168. Um, so this is actually a very controversial figure. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get very upset yeah. by this figure. Yeah. Uh, do you want to know why? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so this appears to be controversial. Uh, so I'm going to link uh, the article that I found this from, um, and it the article I actually found this information from was kind of bashing these numbers, mm, right? Okay. And they were bashing these numbers because it's been floated around in more like Catholic circles that there are 33,000 denominations of Protestants, which that's not exactly true, right? If you look at this down. But still, there's way more denominations and it'd be okay for, you know, the New Testament, right? Which seemed to be uh, very important. Unity was very important to the New Testament, right? Mm-hmm. And to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So it seems like there's something wrong here. So I say all this to say that there definitely is different boxes that different Christian circles are operating out of. Yeah. Even if you go by the broad categories, independents, Protestants, marginals, Orthodox, Catholic, Catholics, and Anglicans, mm-hmm. that's, what is that, five boxes right there? One, two, three, four, five, six, mm-hmm. six. Math is hard, Right. And um, across all those broad categories, there are, uh, you know, about 33 denominations. I think it's estimated like every day to spring up somewhere in the world. Yeah. And it's most likely because they don't see things the same way or they have different points of view. And instead of addressing it, they break out. Right. And whether we like it or not, in our tradition, we broke out. From yeah. another tradition. So to kind of get at our box, we're going to do something that is not very popular. <laughs> okay, I'm down. And is in, in our tradition in particularly, it's a little controversial. And that is, we're going to look at creeds. Okay, what's a creed? A creed, uh, another name for a creed is a statement of faith. Okay. It basically says these are all the things that we agree are true. Okay. Like a right? mission statement? Like in nonprofits? Sort of like a mission statement, but a lot of a lot of the most popular creeds are very ancient. Ooh. Okay. So and a lot of times they, they can seem strange. You know, like why why is that in the creed? So, you know, as anyone who knows me and maybe is listening to the, to the podcast know, I grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. So I grew up you me know too. familiar with the Apostles Creed. And the Nicene Creed, um, these are, you know, 
things that were from a very long time ago. Um, and sometimes the wording is a little strange. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why, why are we saying this? Mm-hmm. You know? And so basically, one person put it once that, uh, I think this is N.T. Wright, but I'm not sure if it, if it was him. might have been someone else. Okay. Um, it might have actually been Dr. Tim Mackey. But I'm not, <laughs> not really sure uh, at this point. Reading a lot of books lately. Now. You'll quote it in the full notes. Yeah, maybe. I, I couldn't find it <laughs> when I tried to find it for the show notes. Um, but that creeds are basically records of arguments that people have forgotten about. Mm. But the argument is still there, right? And whoever won the argument thought it was important enough to write it down. Like, we need to make sure we agree with this. I remember you saying that one time. Want me to give you an example? A few months ago, actually. Of an argument that nobody really cares about anymore? Yeah, and I remember you telling me that too, and I completely forgot. Yep. What was the argument? So, um, one argument... It might actually be better if we go into this later, but I'll go into a little bit now. Okay. So, the idea of the New Testament... Like, you know, the Old Testament really talks about God as... God, mm-hmm. right? The Father, right? Or um, El Elohim, mm-hmm. or uh, the other Yahweh. one. Or Yahweh, right? Mm-hmm. And they seem to be like almost two different people, right? Mm-hmm. El Elohim is very like regal, very otherworldly. That's the God who basically made the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1. Mm-hmm. But Yahweh, it, he's kind of more of like a person that you can go have a beer with. right he's more like down to earth right he's walking with adam and eve in the cool of the day right he's the one who gets so upset right at um the israelites that he's ready to just be done with them after the whole golden calf thing and the party they had he was like moses leave me alone i'm gonna kill all these people and i'm gonna make a people from you and we're gonna continue on we're gonna continue on this journey together and then moses intercedes and Yahweh's like, okay, yeah, you're right. I'll forgive him. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of... Well, in, in one of the videos from the Bible Project, <clears throat> the way Yahweh is described, and it's like the coolest thing when I found out, I was like, oh, have you noticed like in, in your Bible, whenever you read the word Lord, mm-hmm. it's in all caps? Mm-hmm. When it's in all caps, that's when, that's the word Yahweh. Mm. I was like, this is so cool because it always bothered me. Yeah. Okay, why do I read Lord in like capital L, Lord, O-R-D, and then some, they're all in caps. And that so that's like the one thing I remember from that. But it's like a whole um, word study. Yeah, that's a, that's a session. So if you guys uh, uh, know about the Bible Project, they have amazing videos and one of their themes or one of their playlists in their YouTube channel, it's word studies. And they break down Yahweh, yep. which uh, we can link. That's we great. We can link to, to the full episode notes that you yeah. can find on our website. Absolutely. Yeah. So the reason I bring that up, and thank you for sharing those resources because I think they're very helpful, mm-hmm. is that you're not the first person who is bothered by that, mm-hmm. reading their Bible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so at some point, some scholars got into their heads that maybe there was more than one God. Because they seem to be totally different people, mm-hmm. like different characteristics. So there's El Elohim, right? right? And then there's Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And so some people got in their head that maybe these are two different beings right. entirely. And then you have the angel of Yahweh, mm-hmm. right? The angel of the Lord. Angel of the Lord, yeah. That's a totally other thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then you seem to have in the book of Daniel this strange... Uh, 
figure called the Son of Man or the mm-hmm. human one, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and who is this? He's sitting sitting on a throne next to God. What's going on? I know I'm going into a tangent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you, you get to the New Testament and you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. Right? And it seems like, wait, are these three different gods too? Right. You know? And it caused a lot of confusion. Mm-hmm. So when... As we see, as we, we're going to examine one from our church, right? When people talk about the Trinity, yeah, right, the the triune God, the three in one God, separate and distinct, yet the same. That's basically an old argument that you know they thought it was really valuable to write that down and make sure that we all agree on it, because it it cropped up a few times mm-hmm. <laughs> where people were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm seeing three different people in here. Mm-hmm. W- what is this? Is this polytheism? Are these multitude of gods? Because I thought we only worshipped one god. Yeah, and there's so many analogies, right? Like I still remember being taught that that was like water. Mm. Uh, I never heard that one. Solid. Oh wow! Look yeah. at that. Yeah. So and it's yeah. So I know there are many different yeah. arguments about that well being raised as an irish italian catholic mm-hmm. we were always told about the three-leaf clover okay. has, has three leaves oh. but one stem right okay oh, yeah. that's cool yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know hi the irish <laughs> but anyway yeah so that's basically a record of an old argument mm-hmm. that most people so that would be a creed so it'll be an argument that yep. was written down and that basically is now your box okay that's a box that's part of your box you don't even know was made for you mm-hmm. you know that there is there is one god uh with three different people mm-hmm. but it's one god mm-hmm. right so yeah so that's basically an example of something in a creed that people might read that and be like oh okay whatever but that that's something that's important um and what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna challenge everybody to find their church's creed cool and actually Read it. <laughs> Who would have thought? Wait, I could do that? You can do that. Yeah. <laughs> now, there's some problems with doing that for our own tradition, for our own tradition, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the majority of people in our tradition do not believe in creeds. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Because the Bible is my creed. Yeah, because they, they, would, they would say the Bible is our creed, mm-hmm. right? Now, there's some huge problems in this. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into all of them, yeah. uh, but the biggest one, right, is that, well, everyone else is also using the same Bible. Yeah. And let's say there's 33,000 of them. Yep. You know, even if that number is off, you know, by a factor of 10,000. Yep. Right. There's still 10,000 people out there. Mm-hmm. Right. That disagree with you, but they're reading that same book. So that immediately sets up like I'm wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. Right. Scenario, mm-hmm. us versus them. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, it's, a, it's a little naive. Mm-hmm. It's a little presumptuous, actually, to feel that you you have the right box. Yeah. That you understand the Bible better than everyone else. Yeah. And that they're all wrong. Yeah, I, I have certainly been in, in that world for many years. And um, reuniting just recently about two, three days ago with a college friend... Uh, I was talking to her about the podcast and I was like, I was like, and you, you remember those days where I literally 
well, I mean, the fights that we got on around baptism and how harsh I was on you. Mm-hmm. And uh, she goes, oh, oh, I do remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember them clearly. And uh, I still remember that feeling. The feeling was that I'm right. I found the truth. You know, I'm reading this correctly. You are reading it wrong. But I, I felt that. You know, so if, you know, if you have found this podcast and you know who I am, <laughs> um, reach out to me mm-hmm. and uh, I love to share the journey. And it's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast. We're really yeah. sharing our journey, especially for myself, because I have just recently been a lot more open and I just the way I, the way I even open my Bible and how I, how I see it now as an interactive discovery process yep yeah that's great yeah so we're gonna do something that probably 99.999 percent of christians never do okay is we are gonna find our creed or our statement of faith you know because again our tradition shies away from creeds they would claim the bible as their creed Mm -hmm. you know even though you know i have some issues with that you know i think it's a little preposterous or presumptuous it's probably a better word um we're gonna do that and it I love the Bible. I love reading the Bible. I love learning about the Bible. But I also love reading creeds. And I love reading them closely. You know why? <laughs> I did not know this, but tell me why. Because it's like reading a collection of passive-aggressive emails <laughs> from the past. Because there's there's always more there than just the words. Like, there's there's some pain. In some cases, there's bloodshed. Like, there's, there's a deep story. You know, where, you know, it's almost like the, uh, the middle, middle ages version of, of saying, uh, as per my last email. Yep. I've been know? there too. <laughs> Those who know me from nonprofit. <laughs> and, um, I always think of the importance of understanding whatever, uh, tradition or denomination you're in, what they actually believe. It's because I was in, uh, another church once, um, where I was, Somebody was basically like, well, what's what's the difference between your church and my church? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the same Bible, right? Like, we believe the same things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I mean, for one, there's the trans-substation, I can't say it, of of Christ. And they were like, what? What, what word did you just say? And I, I'm not even going to be able to say it now. Trans-sub, trans-substination of the Eucharist. Have you heard of this? No, I'm, I'm giving you that same face yeah. that they were giving me. So right she, was, she was so confused and she was like, what? And then I explained, I was like, oh, that basically means that during the mass, right, during the service, when it comes time for what we would call communion, right, giving out of the, of the, the wafer and the juice, mm-hmm. right, that you guys actually believe that that becomes the literal body and blood of Jesus mm-hmm. and that you consume that, mm-hmm. right? And she was like, no, I don't. That, that's ridiculous. Who, who would believe that? And I was like, well, apparently you. And not even like looking, taking, taking my eyes off her, I reached over and every pew had a catechism behind the pew. And I, a catechism is basically a book. Okay. Right? It was more than a catechism. It had a catechism in it. It also had like prayers. It had I, songs. I don't know what that word is. It, it was a book. There was a, oh. there was a book. Why didn't you just say book? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's called something specific that basically says, this is everything we believe. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. Uh-huh. This is how the mass should go. So okay. I reached over and I grabbed a book mm-hmm. from you. from their church. Mm-hmm. I pulled it out, turned to the back where it basically said, no, you, you do believe in that, at least according to your church. Uh-huh. 
this is something that you're supposed to believe. And they were like just confused. You know, what was this like a new college year? Yeah, yeah, this this is a while ago. Wow, cool. This is a while ago. So, it's really important to know what your church believes, and that kind of goes into exploring its creed or its statement of faith. So, I've I've discovered ours in kind of a sneaky way. Okay, you went on the line. I went on the line. I'm going to tell you guys how to do this. (laughs) Like, you know, you might go to your evangelist, minister, pastor, whatever whatever you call them. And say, hey, can I get a, a creed? And you might get a funny look like, we subscribe to no creeds. Here is a Bible, my son. Right? Uh, again, don't don't take that word for it. You're going to go to their website. Okay. And usually you're going to find some place on the website that says about, mm-hmm. about us. Mm-hmm. Right? Or something that says our beliefs. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to find it. You're going to click that. And you're usually going to find something that kind of lists everything that they believe. Right? Right? And you're going to print that out, and then you're going to read it. And I actually printed one out for you. Awesome. I mean, this is simple. I mean, this this is how I do research for websites. Yeah. So this is why I was kind of comparing that to mission statements. So I guess... It's very it, similar to a mission statement. It's like mission, vision, but... It's more about our beliefs. I mean, yeah, I have checked out many, many, many churches from our <laughs> tradition. And I love exploring websites because I believe it's a great communication tool. Yep. So, okay. All right. So, you printed this out. So, you're going to print us. it out and you're going to read it. Okay. Right. So, you want me to read ours? Um, not just yet. Okay. Um, so, you're going you're gonna to print it out. You're going to read it. You're going to get some highlighters and pens. You're going to get a nice cup of tea (laughs) or coffee or a coffee, maybe some snacks, and you're going to do what's called a close reading of the text. Okay. Okay. And this is where I'm going to give you an analogy that was very powerful for me. And it comes from N.T. Wright and that little, small little book that's helped me out so much, Scripture and the Authority of God by N.T. Wright. And he talks about how... You know, in creeds, mm-hmm. especially, or in churches in general, we tend to use what he calls shorthand. Okay. Right? We use a term or a word, and that term or word stands for a much bigger theological concept. Okay. Right? And he compares, he makes the analogy that these shorthands are like packed luggage. Okay. It's like a suitcase that's closed. So we could say something like the Trinity. Like we just used before, mm-hmm. right? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, you do a word search for Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Do you think they ever pop up together? No. They do once in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. But otherwise, they do not. Mm, interesting. So I'm not saying it's not there. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that that's like a packed bag Right, And when you unpack that, there are scriptures where people go to and they can kind of prove a trinity. They can kind of tease the trinity of the Bible. But in terms of the authors of the Bible, mm-hmm. they didn't care. Same thing as Googling heaven and hell. Yep. Uh, you'll get how many scriptures? Zero. Know? Zero, right? Zero together. Very si- That's right, together. Mm-hmm. Heaven and hell together, nothing. But then when you type in heaven and earth. You get a whole bunch. You get a whole bunch. Okay. Yep, all cool. over the Bible. Yes. Right? So, so yeah, something like heaven and hell also can be like a packed bag. Sure. Because, again, you're not going to find it, mm-hmm. right? 
But now people have gone in and they've kind of like dug that out. Okay. Right. And they've kind of like, they've kind of, they kind of have their own bag. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, whether or not the bag is true or a good thing, we're going to save to later. Mm-hmm. But now it's just to understand that like when you hear certain things, it's like borrowed language. I call it packed language. Okay. Right. N.T. Wright uses the metaphor of a suitcase. Okay. So you're going to read through it and you're going to try and find and highlight that packed language, those shorthands. So we're not going to go too deep into this, um, but basically you can go through, you can go online and see my highlighted version of things that I highlighted uh, that I thought like, hey, I, I want to know more about that. Because um, it's it's not a right and wrong thing too. Okay. You have to understand. Like, it's not like we're going into these things looking for mistakes. Right. You know, right. even though some of us like to live there, you know, where we like to look for mistakes. Like yeah. you? Like me. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> Bringing his biases to the table. <laughs> bring my biases to the table. <laughs> I like to look for problems. Mostly because I like to solve them. But I, I, I do have a gift, I would say, of spotting problems. It's called critical thinking. And that yeah. actually is a strength. And it is true. It's it's as an English major, we were taught to read anything like this. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible. We were taught to read philosophy, even works of literature, even things that we love. Like mm-hmm. you know, like that. You know, you just want to. And critical isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. It's just seeing the way something was put together. Right. Right. Because every piece of writing has intention behind it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So. Um, if you guys read this statement, I'll be the first to say that this is not the most specific statement of faith I've ever read. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that most likely this is because, you know, they do want people to come. They want it to be inviting. They don't want other people's boxes to get in the way of when they come to visit. Right. But there is a more specific um, statement of faith from our church because our church is connected to. An international movement, mm-hmm. right, of churches, and that's called the uh, Unity Proposal, um, and I'm going to reference that as well in the notes. We're not going to go through that, but it is something that I do wish more people in our fellowship was aware of, because I think it does a much better job of kind of like stating out this is everything that we believe mm-hmm. that we think everyone should. And believe. where did you get that? So if you go to the end of uh, the handout I gave you from from our church's website, mm-hmm. our beliefs, you go to the second page. Okay. At the end, uh, I, I had redacted it, but it talks about how they're part of a larger church. Mm-hmm. And you click on that link and it sends you to the larger church's website. And then if you go to their leaders resources, they have what's called a unity proposal, which is something they came up with in around 2006. To kind of keep all of our churches together. Like, hey guys, if we're going to call ourselves this church, mm-hmm. these are all the things that we should probably agree that we believe in. Okay. And it kind of... So that one that one goes into much greater detail. Um, I'm thinking about doing like a separate episode just with me where I kind of go through this and I kind of like pick out all the... Dissect it. All the coded language. That I see there. It's only 12 pages, so it's not <laughs> only. It's not crazy. <laughs> Should take you a nice afternoon to go through. So, you know, this is something that I think is very important um, for everyone to do. I think it's something that should be done uh, 
annually at the very least. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if not semi-annually, where you're doing this every few years. Because especially in, you know, churches, churches and lar- larger collections of churches mm-hmm. that don't necessarily have an official, like, ruling body, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily send out an email blast every time they change something. Yeah. So it's good to go in and be like, hey, do we still all believe the same things? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so... Kind of just finding your church's creator statement of faith. This is kind of getting into our challenge for this week, mm-hmm. right? Print it out uh, so you can read it, highlight it, and take notes. As you're highlighting, after you do all that, you're looking for all the shorthands and pack languages, things like salvation, things like discipleship, things like, you know, uh, the Trinity, things like original sin, things that, like, you know, may or may not be in your church's creed or statement of faith you're going to highlight all those and you're going to ask yourself a series of questions number one do i believe this if yes can you prove it scripturally if you can that's great write those scriptures down in the margins you always got to be ready to you know say why you believe certain things if you do not believe this if you read something like well i do not believe this then you know you might have a problem The first step I would recommend is to seek help. Ask your church leaders or other church leaders for help. Uh, Study out on your own. Read books about the issue that your church believes that you do not believe, right? If you don't agree with your church on an issue, read some books about it. I think the Bible Project would be a great resource in this situation, right? If you're still not convinced, if you still, you know, I don't believe this, you know, then I think you need to do some thinking about where you are and what what are you doing with that church? So I'm I'm listening to the challenge, and I want to encourage our listeners to take everything with a grain of salt. As Jimmy was mentioning earlier, uh, with the whole uh, phrase of "you're preaching to the choir." Uh, because uh, I think it's important that you challenge yourself to think for your own, to to be responsible, to be a true Berean, to study things out. I'm not saying don't, I'm not against Jimmy's advice to ask your church leaders. However, uh, there's a lot of tendency, especially in our tradition, to just believe and follow what the leader is saying versus um, your friend. Uh, to follow what your Bible talk leader is saying versus whether your friend or your own research. Hmm. And, and I really want to challenge uh, that that thinking because, I mean, honestly, it's, um, it's not responsible. Uh, and... And we gotta remember that when we when we made this commitment or when we gained our personal convictions, that we did it because we're Bereans, that we did it because we're learners. We did it because we were gonna dig in and open the Bible uh, as we were looking for treasure. And I really wanna encourage you to do that. Yes, seek advice, take it as a grain of salt, do your own research. Dig in. Grab concordances if that's still in your bookshelf. Just grab it. Just dig in. You will get so much more. 
the Bible becomes so much more alive when you research, when you hunt, when you discover. So I, I do I do want to I do want to encourage you. I really want to give you this invitation to be a scholar, to to research. So yes, as your church leader, if you believe that you are like the person I just described, because I've honestly seen so many of my friends um, just do what their leaders say, and um, and it's it's something that. It's not in one person or two, but I, I just, I have seen that. And, and really, I've experienced that. I have, because I have had a great relationship with someone who studied the Bible with me, who studied who, someone who showed me God, um, that I, I, I took her word instead of doing my own research. And um, it's just very important Um to to dig in and be your own door the explorer or diego the explorer just get in there um take out all your resources and study things out on your own that's great yeah and i I think that that's all very important i think um for this week's challenge though i kind of want to encourage people just to understand their own box okay right their own church's box okay so i think even if you don't necessarily end up there you still want to understand what what that box is saying does that make sense (laughs) no so um i'm gonna i'm gonna link this book in the show notes okay uh i think i'm gonna do a podcast around it one day on how to read a book Mm. the name of the book is actually how to read a book yeah you keep telling me about it by adler and uh he challenges uh people in order to be a good readers is that you can't decide that the author is an idiot, <laughs> but the author doesn't know what he's talking about until you've actually done him the service of reading his book. Right. But now, reading the book isn't just enough. Did you understand the book? Hmm. So once you're fully convinced that, yes, I've read the book, I understand this book, I still think the author's an idiot, at that point you may say, with confidence, the author is, in fact, an idiot. Now, I bring this up to say that I, I think it's really important for us to understand what box we're in, okay. what box our denomination or our tradition has built for us, okay. that's trying to give to us. Okay. And I think in understanding that, I think sometimes we have to question, hey, this is what we all say we believe. Mm-hmm. Why do we believe it? Mm-hmm. Is it because, like you said, you know, my friend told me? Mm-hmm. Or is this something that I've been convinced of? Right. from reading the scriptures yeah. right and as we'll see in next week and understanding uh other points of view understanding the other boxes that are out there how do i even begin to do that right you just told me to go read a 12 page document that's super boring with highlighters and pens and to to dissect everything right how am i even going to begin to understand other people's boxes and other people's point of view and learn to respect that Is that fair enough? Yeah, that's fair enough. Okay. So that is it for this week, guys. Uh, Thank you all for coming. And we will see you again in the following week.